Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Look, this all starts with the revival of decency and honor and character. Trump has, fla- has, has fanned the flames of hate and sought to divide us. He's insulted, demonized, and actually just, just the way he talks about people. He has not a single sense of empathy. He doesn't have any compassion. No regard for the values that made this country who we are. Not the way you were raised by your moms and dads. I'm going to talk about a tale of two viruses today on the Savage Nation, COVID-19 COVID and Bernie Sanders. And I will ask you right off the bat, is Biden a threat to Trump? Now, I, you can easily dismiss it and say no, be a Pollyanna. I, I think yes, for a number of reasons. Does that mean I'll vote for him? No. But if you dismiss him out of hand, you are not doing the nation or the president a favor. Uh, He has a lot of baggage. It is true. He is on the road to um, senility. It looks like he's got dementia. It's sad, by the way, to run a man with dementia, but that's the best the Democrats can do. But look at Nancy Pelosi. What do you think she has? I mean, I don't even know who's more advanced in their dementia, him or her. But they're not the issue. The issue is the revolutionaries behind Biden and those coming after him in the form of the hateful invaders yes you heard me right the hateful invaders they represent the invasion of america and biden does as well by the way in fact if you were to ask me what this election should be about it should be about the immigrant invasion and there's only one candidate i would choose you say well trump really didn't build a wall well he tried well he put in some judges who are trying yes he is going after the most vicious killers amongst them the gangs uh, yes, he's doing what he can, given that we have a, a nation that's lost its survival techniques. Biden, on the other hand, would open the floodgates and destroy this country with a flood of immigrants calling them all wonderful people. To a guy like Biden who doesn't really know what's going on, the word immigrant means wonderful, excellent people. All good. And the people who live here, of course, are no good unless they vote for him. So I would say today's show is called The Tale of Two Viruses, COVID-19 and Bernie Sanders. And is Biden a threat to Trump, the immigrant invasion? If you care to join the conversation on the issue of is Biden a threat to Trump, I suggest you jump on it right now because it's 855 4728 savage 855 If you get on the show, you will be heard by more people than you'll meet for the rest of your life. That's pretty awesome. And you will be on the Savage Graduate School of Political Science where everyone gets an A. Okay, now the death rate from the COVID-19 
is higher than we originally were told or the so-called experts thought. There are two strains of coronavirus going around. The death rate is 3.4%, which is higher than the flu, but don't tell that to talk show hosts who are experts in everything. It's surging rapidly. Are you starting to take the virus seriously? No. No, no, no. You're a real man. Give me that charcoal broiled steak. Give me that cigar. Give me that scotch. No, no, no. Pay no attention to it. Only weak men worry about the virus. Sure. Tell that to all the indigenous peoples who were wiped out in the Pacific Islands by the virus brought in uh, by the invaders. You want to talk about invasion and conquest? You don't have to go any further than the smallpox uh, pathogen being introduced by the Europeans into the South Pacific, an area I know a lot about. I spent many years studying the indigenous folklore and talking to the people and collecting their plants. And you don't have to be a genius to look it up. You can Google anything right now. Some of it's true, some of it's false. But when the Europeans came to uh, the South Pacific in search of uh, whales or in search of uh, plunder of some kind or another, they brought with them diseases that the Europeans themselves were somewhat resistant to. And the islanders had no resistance to it because they lived in such an isolated, faraway place. The islanders, although they were strong, great-looking, powerful people, succumbed rapidly. And in places like the Marquesas, where I have been, many, many people don't even know where that is. Thank God it's not been yet hit by the vermin of tourism. Uh, the Marquesas are still off the map. I've been in the Marquesas. I have wooden carvings from the Marquesas from 30 years ago. They're remarkable people. They were almost wiped off the planet because of the invasion and conquest. Now, what does it have to do with today's topic of COVID-19 and Bernie Sanders? Well, it has somewhat to do with it when you think about it. When you think about you have a party that is owned wholly by the foreign powers that control the immigrant hordes, look at what happened in the state of California. Look what happened when demagogues like Nancy Pelosi took over the party in California. She crushed the opposition. You may say that's a good thing. If you will argue that a one-party state is a good thing, then you don't belong in this country. You belong in North Korea because it's not a good thing. You need competition to have reality. And Pelosi has no reality because there's no newspaper to keep her checked. She owns the newspapers like in The Godfather. Remember in The Godfather, we own the newspapers. Don't we have some newspaper people? Yeah, we have. We have the newspaper people. We own the whole paper. She's never, ever, ever challenged. There's no Republican presence, some good people running, but you don't hear of them. Yes, it has a lot to do with uh, what happens when you have a dictatorship. And the Democrat Party today is like a party of viruses. Yes, it's a party of viruses that want to destroy what's left of our borders, language, and culture. Last night, I was uh, watching a little bit of the returns, and I was tweeting here and there about, I was shocked, by the way, that, that uh, Bernie Sanders won in Utah. And I asked, what? How could the Mormons fall for a guy like this? How could the Mormon people of Utah fall for a New York communist, I asked on, on Twitter. Are they that stupid? I said, Utah Mormons like an old, hateful, retrograde New York communist? I said, something fishy here. Can any of the good Latter-day Saints folks please explain? And they did. They went on to me uh, at, at a Savage Nation. Many of them said, you've got two problems in Utah. One, an invasion of the state by Californians who are running away from the very things that they created in their own state, coming here for cheaper housing and destroying the politics. And two, the large number of gangs and illegal aliens here. And I said, oh boy, we are really in trouble. Utah Mormons, no, they didn't really like Bernie Sanders. And yet, I think he won there, didn't he, Jim? Robert, did he win there? I don't even know. He was winning for a while. Huh? Yeah? Bernie, Bernie. So we go back to the primary question. Do you think Biden is a threat to Trump? Who do you think Biden will pick as a VP candidate? Right? Now, we know what happened to Gloomy Bloomy. Gloomy Bloomy dropped out. Gloomy Bloomy spent a half a billion dollars of his own money to win, what did he win, Samoa? Western Samoa? Yes. Western Samoa, that's a big win. Could have bought everyone a new Cadillac for that money. Western Samoa for $500 million. They didn't fall for it anywhere. It's kind of sad. He looks like a very intelligent man to me. He actually was the only one on the stage who gave reasoned answers. They wouldn't let him answer the idiots. I didn't like the hands being raised like in a fourth grade. What kind of country do we have that a man or a woman running for office cannot answer a question 
without the other schmucks raising their hands and waving them like it in a fourth grade. Me, 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 me. Stupid system. This system has not evolved. But nevertheless, Bloomberg tried to answer some questions rather intelligently, and the children who were on the stage with him shouted him down. Now, there's a couple of good notes that came out of all of this. You know Half Cortex? You call her AOC. I call her Half Cortex because the brain only fires on on half the neurons. All of her progressive candidates fell flat in Super Tuesday contests. All of them. Every one of these lousy communists failed, even though they were backed by occasional cortex with money from the evil one, George Soros. That's I said it. Uh, she lost everywhere. Maybe we won't be seeing that vile. Uh, she's a quite a racist, by the way. Every word out of her mouth is anti-white, anti-American. It's disgusting. So maybe they're not buying her act. Nevertheless, I'm watching the returns last night, tweeting about it. And um, I, I notice a show late at night. I couldn't sleep. It was one of those odd nights where I had trouble sleeping, not only from the, the um, primaries, but from a lot of things going on in my life right now. So I turned on the, the furthest channel on my cable box I could find, the last one on the right there, number 717 out here in the Bay Area. And it was shocking. It was a, a story about the skeletons of New Zealand, the redheads. I said, what the hell is this? It's like a PBS documentary. Well, I'll make a short version of it. The skeletons of New Zealand, the redheads. You see, there were peace-loving giants who were fair-skinned. They had red hair, fair-skinned, and they predated the Maori people of New Zealand, it turns out. Some of them were seven feet tall, according to their skeletal remains. And yet, we know nothing about them because... Uh, we never heard about the Prima Ori people. Now, what does it have to do with this election? Something and everything and nothing and nothing. You see, what happened is, prior to the Maoris, there were people who were fair-skinned with red hair, who taught peace and were peace-loving. And then came the Maoris who were warlike and cannibalistic, who killed them, ate them, and took their wives for breeding and kept the men they didn't kill as slaves. And of course, they were wiped out. Everywhere you look on this earth, wherever a peace-loving people encounters a warlike people, tell me who wins. You know who wins? As my poor father said to me, he wasn't poor, he was a smart man. He used to hold me by the hand and walk me in the streets of New York and say, he was not a believer in, in, in religion at all. He would say, ah, the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth, Michael. Let me tell you, the meek, the meek shall inherit, and he would use a, a curse word. I can't use it. It's a four-letter word that begins with an S, and it ends with Bernie Sanders. But he would say the meek shall inherit that. They, won't, they will not inherit the earth. And he was right. He learned early on in his life that in New York, if you were meek, you got stepped on. You got crushed. You lost everything. I was a nice kid. I try to be nice, but I found out that you can't be too nice in this world because people confuse niceness with weakness, whether it's in business or in your personal life. Isn't that true? You know, that whole adage, nice, nice guys finish last. They don't finish at all. They wind up on the subway tracks with their underwear stolen. That's how they wind up. They wind up thrown onto the third rail with no underwear on their body, especially today in New York where the animals will shoot you just to see your body jump up in the street. Oh, yeah, it's a great city now under uh, de Blasio. Great city. They shoot you just to see your body jump. That's what New York has become. What does it have to do with the election? What does it have to do with the skeletons of New Zealand, the redheads? Well, again, it's invasion and conquest. And I believe this election should be about invasion and conquest. And I believe Trump was elected on the issue of Building the wall, there is no wall. Stopping the hordes from invading, he has not stopped them. He tried, but he didn't stop them. Uh, is all about invasion and conquest. And unless we get control of our border, we're going to be conquered and we will disappear in time. I know you say, oh, that's crackpot, that's crazy. If you believe that's because you don't know human history, you don't know anything about invasion and conquest, you don't know anything about nations and how they come and go, and nothing is forever. So now we have a guy like uh, Biden who is, you know, pre-senile dementia or whatever you may say. You could define it in different ways. He doesn't know where he is. He called his wife his sister and his sister his wife. 
Then a vegan moron jumped on the stage saying, and dairy, I don't know what she was talking about. Lucky for him, Jill Biden's tough as nails, and she blocked her, and then they tackled her. I would have broken her arm. I, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't really like that in a political space. They should have broken her arm off as far as I'm concerned. I'm sick of this. How did this happen in our country that people think they have the right? A moron with a sign has the right to overtake somebody's uh, victory speech like this. They should have snapped her arm off and put her away for 20 years. I'm sick of this. But it's not what I'm sick of. It's what you're sick of. And this election should be about immigration, 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 borders, language, culture. And if it is not about that, it's about nothing. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Your dog's health is as important as every other member of your family. You know that. And it starts with what you feed them. I mean, why don't you give your dog the best? Do you know what's in your dog's food? Well, Ollie puts dogs first with vet-formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients uh-huh, to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Ollie makes fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that people can eat and delivers them to you on a regular schedule. I wouldn't advertise it because I'm a dog nut. And believe me, Ollie beats out store-bought dog food at a 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. Palatability scale. What does that mean? Well, they create customized vet-formulated recipes made with all natural ingredients that taste good. No preservatives, and they're sourced from U.S. family farms. Look, do I have to say that in an age of garbage coming from China, that's the most important thing I could tell you? Ollie's pet food is sourced from U.S. family farms. That should close the deal. Go to myolly.com, M-Y-O-L-L-I-E.com, answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipes to your dog and ship pre-proportioned meals so your pup gets the perfect proportion every time. And, and you know, I didn't really know it comes from U.S. Family Farms. I, I only know that, learned that now. I knew it was good because, I, frankly, I give it to my four dogs. I do. They delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free. And if your dog doesn't like the meals, the, the dog gets a money-back guarantee. Ollie is offering our listeners 50% off your first box. That's how much they believe in this stuff. Plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try another slash Savage Nation. That's complicated. The food is great. Myolly.com slash try slash Savage Nation. Now, look, this is the best deal they have available anywhere. Please go to myolly.com slash try slash Savage Nation. You're going to get 50% off plus a free bag of treats. But most importantly, it's the healthiest dog food possible sourced from U.S. family farms. You've got to get this deal if you love your dog. It's spelled myolly, M-Y-O-L-L-I-E dot com slash try slash Savage Nation. Your dog's going to love you. Is Biden a threat to Trump? I'm talking about the immigrant invasion. And frankly, this whole election should be only about immigration, 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 because Biden wants to dissolve our borders entirely. Biden doesn't know what the hell he wants, but the people behind them want open borders. They want drugs and they want violence and they want the people who currently are the majority in America to basically disappear. I'm not going to argue that Biden wants cannibalism. I'm not going to argue that uh, my little story about the pre-Polynesians who were peace-loving, fair-skinned giants, who uh, were a race that preceded the Maoris in New Zealand, uh, are like us. But there is an overlap here. And you study this. I'm telling you, try to catch this on PBS, Skeletons of New Zealand, the Redheads. It's been buried completely because, just like in America, uh, when skeletons of Europeans were found uh, maybe 10 years ago, it was completely thrown away. We didn't want to dismiss the fairy tale that the Native American people, uh, who were different racially, were here first. They were not here first. See, all of history in every nation is a history of invasion and conquest. Every nation on earth. Only the trick here in America is we, the people who live here, have been nullified by the left who has told us we are racist because we want to survive, 
who told us we are racist because we want to live, who have told us we are racist because we stand up for ourselves. If you don't know that, you'd know nothing about history. You know nothing about the future of America. Everything hangs in the balance. It's all about invasion and conquest. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now, look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. So we're going to get back to invasion and conquest and what's happening in America right now and how it relates to uh, this, this election ahead of us. And I hope that President Trump comes to understand that he can't drop the number one issue that got him elected in the first place, which was my issue, my issue, my issue, borders, language, culture. He's got to focus on that and, and show how he's different than Biden, who will destroy our borders. And I hope that the people who listen for President Trump get that message. Now, let me get back to invasion and conquest, what's happening in America right now. Again, we could talk about it in the way that it's being talked about. Is Biden this? Is Trump that? Can Biden win? Who's Biden run? That's not of any interest to me. You can all do it if you want. I'm more interested in what it is they stand for. Now, you could say they both stand for nothing. They're just politicians who want to aggrandize more power, and you'd be right. However, uh, in order to get where he is, Trump ran on the borders language culture, uh, let's say, campaign strategy back when when no never really didn't know who he was and um it worked it it got him through he's tried very hard to build the wall he's tried very hard to stop the invasion he's replaced a lot of judges with american judges as opposed to communist judges but still in all we still have no wall we keep hearing we're going to have one for the election i wish to god it was true we need the wall so badly and if we don't get it, then uh, that's the number one issue. It's the, the, the key issue for Donald Trump, because Biden will destroy when he buy. When I say Biden, it's not Biden. He don't know where he is. Biden will sit at the desk and not and look out the window, you know, on Golden Pond. They may as well turn the chair around in the executive office and turn the chair around and look at the lawn for what he's going to do in there. You know, bring him a, a soda, bring him a hot dog, a hamburger, a vegan meal. Jill could pat him on the head, give him a back rub. He won't know what's going on. That's a secondary story. But I want to talk about invasion and conquest. So I want to go back again to this documentary I saw that just was amazing last night. Skeletons of New Zealand, the redheads. So it's about the pre-Polynesians who were red-haired and fair-skinned. They were peace-loving. Some of them were over seven feet tall. And they predated the Maori. Now, I just want to get into this for a minute. There are Maori who speak of babies stolen long ago by a, quote, fairy people who hid in the bush, who only came out at night, 
And that's understandable because there were people who were being killed and eaten faster than they could breed. Did you hear what I just said? In post-Maori New Zealand, the Maoris are the ones with the face tattoos. Think of Mike Tyson with the face tattoos. That's a Maori tattoo, that tattooing art. In Savage, in the Savage Land of New Zealand, after the Maoris invaded, captives were eaten immediately. The women were kept for breeding or enslaved, and they were then killed for food. You may not believe any of this, but that's what went on down there. Cannibalism was very real in the South Pacific. And prior to the Maori, there were a group of people called uh, the Urukehu, and they were of two distinct types. One was of reddish skin with a round face, small eyes, and thick protruding eyebrows. The other were the Turehu. They had white hair, blue-green eyes, fair skin, smaller with larger and very handsome features, according to people who found their, their, their remains. Why am I telling you about something so far away as New Zealand? Why? Because, again, every nation on Earth has a history, and every nation on Earth is steeped in blood. That's what I despise the most about the American left, who call uh, white people racist and call us bad names. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard because most of them come from areas that were even more violent and certainly more vile uh, than America. You have a person like Ilhan Omar who should be deported from America for what she's done in this country. I don't care that we gave her uh, a free uh, open passage here. Look what she's done to this country in the short time she's in Congress. Who becomes a congressperson and spends her every day hating the nation and calling white people racists? Who, would, who could get away with that? Who could get away with that in a nation other than ours, which has been beaten to death by the liberal propaganda and brainwashing so your own son doesn't even know uh, what the history is of his own nation? And we're being invaded by a far more virile people than we have become. However, and I want to put a footnote to that, we still have our men who could stop this. They're everywhere in the police departments, they're in the military. If you don't believe that there are no, no, tough men are not here, you're wrong. They're right here in the San Francisco Police Department. They're tough as nails. Oh, I know that they put women in five foot one, four foot nine who can't shoot a gun. But I uh, once had a bodyguard who was a woman who happened to be a lesbian who was about six foot three and could beat up any two men I ever met. There's very tough people in the SFPD, but they have been hamstrung by the vermin who run the city. The psychopathic, suicidal maniacs who run the city have put handcuffs around the police in New York, in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, wherever you go. So we have the tough people in this country to defend us from the invaders, whether they be the MS-13 gang or other gangs. You know how brutal these gangs are? They're the equivalent of the cannibals that I'm talking about in New Zealand. They'll kill men, women, children, butcher them, chop them up, and they could be stopped. We have FBI men who could stop them, Secret Service. We have DHS people. We have special forces people who do it a daily, every day. That's their whole job. So don't believe they're not here. They're here. They're our guardians. They're our shield. They're our sheepdogs. We are the sheep. But you have vermin on the left who call all of these tough men terrible names. And those of us who believe in our nation and believe in the sanctity of our borders and our language and our culture they call us names here in san francisco they call me names because they of course represent the invaders they don't represent the people of this city take a look what went on here in california once this governor newsom got the unions behind him it was like the taking of pelham one two three there's no second party here because the newspaper disappeared they bought that up they gobbled that up that's how corrupt people in Congress can get away with what they get away with for 20 years in a row without one story about any of their shenanigans, if you want to call them shenanigans. And it's to the detriment of all of us that such corruption reigns in our nation. Now, for years, I've been a broadcaster. It'll be 26 years this March, and we're in March. I can't believe it. God, 26 years, I think, this March 24th. Incidentally, speaking of uh, anniversaries. Tomorrow is March 5th, which is my dog Teddy's 16th birthday. He's largely blind. It's kind of sad. 
kind of deaf. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really get. Uh, uh, I shouldn't do this because I haven't. I've had him so long. Actually, he's the longest lived dog I've ever had. What a wonderful little guy. He's been the uh, mascot of the Savage Nation all these years. But <clears throat> he's good. He's not in any pain. He almost died last year. We almost lost him. Then we found the vet who saved him. And now he hangs around with the other three dogs in the family. Two tiny little girl poodles, Julie and Ruby, the cutest things you've ever seen in the world. They weigh two pounds each. And then there's Dummy. We call it the other dog Dummy. Now, don't get mad at me. I love him. I love, he's like the kid that you have. He's a Havanese is not perfect. He's kind of stocky and dumb. And he like licks a lot and looks at you in the eye. You know, he doesn't get the love. All the... So Dummy takes care of all the rest of them. But Teddy and Dummy used to fight originally. And Dummy was afraid of Teddy, even though Dummy could beat Teddy up with one blow. Dummy ran away every time Teddy appeared near his food bowl. Dummy's peace loving. Dummy is like the, the, you know what I'm saying? So Teddy would growl, even though Teddy was, you know, incapable of hurting him. Dummy was afraid of him because he growled louder. Now, Dummy and Teddy get along with each other. At night, it's the cutest thing in the world to see Dummy sleeping next to one of the girl poodles and Teddy sleeps next to the other one. I swear to God, they like pair off. It's astounding to watch. And while Teddy was sort of crippled and couldn't get around about six months ago, we noticed something interesting. When one of the tiny little girl poodles went into heat, suddenly Teddy snapped to life and was able to chase her up and down the steps. So, you know, what goes around comes around. There's a little Weinstein in all of us. I mean, I guess even in, in poodles. But he's happier now because the pack keeps him alive. It's a strange thing about pack mentality. And dogs are pack animals. So tomorrow is Teddy's Sweet 16. I was hoping to do something like a periscope, you know, and get him a party hat and a cake. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get around to it, but I, I'm going to think about it. I'm not going to get him a cake. He doesn't eat it. Ice cream will get sick for a week. I don't know what to get him. I think I'm going to get him a cheeseburger and put a candle in it in, in the bun. And then we'll sing happy birthday to him or something like that. So anyway, that's an anniversary coming up March 5th. God willing, March 24th, I believe, is my 26th year on radio. God, where'd that time go, huh? It's very mystical, the whole thing. This is like a little bit of the Kabbalah here, this show, when you think about it. It's all mystical to believe that 26 years could go like... Remember when your parents would say, don't worry, time goes fast when you get older? Did anyone ever hear that, Jim? Did your parents say that to you? I used to hear it all the time. I didn't know what they were talking about. Like when I was 16, 15, what did I care about the future? All I cared about was, I can't say it, it's a family show. Uh, but that's all. You know, all you do is you try to get through a day when you're a youngster and then have fun at night. That's all you do. You spend your whole life chasing girls when you're a kid. That's all you do. And hope to God you don't get a D in, 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 in school. <laughs> you know, then you got to push yourself to make a buck. That's when the manhood clicks in. The rest is, is garbage. Then you become a man and realize none of that matters. What really matters is making a living. And then you have to really hunker down. But then your parents would say, you'll see how fast it goes. You'll see how fast it goes. You don't know what they were talking about. Well, 26 years have come and gone real fast. I began in radio in, in the year 1994. And I've been talking about similar topics from the beginning. It's what made my name. Borders, language, and culture. That's how I define my show. Borders, language, and culture. And almost every book I have written has been about, in one way or another, borders, language, and culture. Even my last book, Stop Mass Hysteria, America's Insanity from the Salem Witch Trials to the Trump Witch Hunt. In many ways, if you read that book, you'll see it's about borders, language, and culture. If you read my book, God, Faith, and Reason, it's really not about borders, language, and culture. It's about one man's search for meaning. It's one man's search for God. And I've been searching for God and never found him, to be honest with you. The whole search is the whole thing. The whole trick about God is you, you keep looking for him. And that's why God made himself invisible, as I point out in God, faith, and reason. So the skeptic will say, how can you believe in a fantasy? How can you believe in something that doesn't exist, in something no one has ever seen? And my answer in the book is really simple. That's how God set it up. The reason he is invisible is so you keep searching for him and keeping searching for him, this mysterious force that gave life to all on this earth. We become in awe of him and we are just liable to not be as vicious as we are capable of being. We're liable to be better people when we become humble people. And I suppose that's the whole message of uh, faith. I'll be right back. 
The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. This country right now is hanging in a balance like a loose tooth that's about to fall out. Trump staved off what was just around the corner with the invasion for a while. And maybe with the COVID-19 virus, people will come to understand why borders and border controls have been with mankind since the beginning of time. Maybe they'll come to understand the value of borders. Maybe the idiots who talk about open borders will be seen for the fools and suicidal maniacs that they are. Write that down. That's a complete paragraph. And this entire election should be Trump challenging Biden on open borders. And let moron Biden come up with the same crap. That's not who we are. That's not American values. Oh, they certainly are American values. They're the values of every society that ever wanted to survive had borders, firm borders, strong walls, whether it's the border uh, wall that you see in China that kept out the Mongol hordes. The Great Wall of China was built to keep the Mongol hordes out of China or our own border that used to exist until Kennedy came along and decimated our immigration. And so now we have a choice. And Trump has to come out front and center as strong as he can and not worry about offending the occasional cortex crowd of racists and supremacists who hate this nation. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. What kind of country do we live in that we have an election that goes on for five years? It's like forever. Can't we just have one election, everyone votes on the same day, and if you can't get there, it's too bad? I don't like mail-in ballots. I don't like the cheating that's involved in the mail-in ballots. I don't like any of it. The only ones who should mail-in would be military, overseas military. Other than that, you know, if you don't have the wherewithal to get your act together and go and vote on election day, then don't vote. I don't know how this evolved. Well, I do know how it evolved. It's all cheating on both sides. They think they can get an advantage over the other party. It's all a war. Welcome to the Savage Nation. So we're talking about a tale of two viruses. Bernie Sanders is one virus and the COVID-19 is the other. And I've asked, is Biden a threat to Trump and the immigrant invasion? And to summarize, I've given you an example of invasion and conquest uh, by discussing the uh, uh, pre-Polynesian peoples who predated the Maoris in New Zealand, who were peace-loving, and according to their own legends and lore, these fair-skinned, red-haired people uh, had traveled from as far away, some of them say, as Iran, uh, through South America, living amongst the Incas until they were kicked out of Peru by the violent Incas, and then they wound up in um, where they wound up in in the, the islands that um, Darwin had explored, the remote islands with the gigantic stone figures on them, Easter Island, and then they emigrated from Easter Island to Rarotonga. And then out into New Zealand, you say, well, what do I want to listen to any of this for? It's history. It's the sweep of history that explains to us that we, the American people, although we are a nation of immigrants, uh, we are a people who are being swept out of our own land by forces that are so evil that I would compare the Democrats and the open borders crowd to the Indian chiefs who sold out the Native Americans or the Indians to the invading white man for wampum and for booze. They're no different. And to me, Joe Biden represents an Indian chief who, when he was not senile, was selling America down the river. And so don't be mistaken with his nice guy garbage that they're giving him to talk about. As you will hear in clip number two about uniting America. Listen to this rubbish in clip two. Folks, winning means uniting America. Not sowing seeds of division and anger and hate. Right. 
We got to beat Donald Trump, and we will, but we can't become like him. Why not? We can't have a never-ending war between the parties. We need a president who can fight, but make no mistake about I can fight. But look, we need as badly, as badly, someone who can heal. It's sad in a certain way. He sounds like Frito in The Godfather. I'm smart. I'm smart. It's not like I can't do things. I could do things. I mean, that's what he sounds like. But okay, that's the best they can do. Him or the nut. You got a, a, a senile guy or, or a communist. That's the choice now. The others are gone. Gone with the wind. That's all. I mean, I'd rather he run than, than crazy Bernie, the communist. I would. I mean, thank God Bernie got defeated in a certain place. I was terrified that this vile street vermin has gotten so far. But I admire Bernie in a certain way. He is one of the most inspiring men I have ever seen. How an old communist like he, with a heart attack and two stents, can go around the nation sowing such hatred, waving his hands and screaming and not drop dead, is almost a miracle of science. I think this man should be studied. After this is all over, I think he needs to be taken to a, a clinic and investigated. There's got to be an enzyme or two that are produced by old communists that we don't know yet that are unknown to science. And if they can bottle it somehow, if they could clone these these enzymes that are circulating in Bernie's uh, veins, I mean, it was unbelievable. Think of it. We could just drink it or take it as a pill. The Bernie pill, the Sanders pill. Call it some kind of name, Sanders uh, 90304. But the man is amazing. Who has a heart attack, has two stents, and goes out on the campaign trail and screams and yells and waves his hands without dropping dead? It is a miracle. And very inspiring, I got to tell you. To me, very inspiring. So now Joe Biden confuses the coronavirus with Ebola last night in clip five. Let's hear that one just for the heck of it. Let's hear it now. Let's now I can get it. that done on health care by building on Obamacare with a Biden Medicare option in it. I can do this in terms of Ebola. I mean, excuse me, in terms of dealing with the issues that relate to what we put together when we faced the pandemic of Ebola. Oh, man. Wow. Can you imagine if this guy were president, didn't know where he was? It's frightening. I mean, during the debate, he stopped speaking and he actually said, why am I stopping? It was like one of the not a senior moment. This was a take me out of here moment. I mean, put me into a nuthouse. It's sad if you have a relative, if you have a grandfather who doesn't know where he is, would you let him go out on the, on the campaign trail like this? I've heard of the Manchurian candidate. This is a different story. I can't say it because it'll offend many of you who have relatives who are senile or have dementia, which is one of the most horrible diseases on the planet. People can survive heart attacks. They can survive cancer. They can live with them. They can survive them. But you get Alzheimer's, and I worked in the field for years. It's the most terrifying of all diseases to lose your soul. You can't make jokes about it. There's no jokes to be made about losing your memory, because by losing your memory, you're losing your soul. It's terrible to watch this. And uh, to see a man like this who really, and you know if he wins, which is unlikely, but it could happen. Don't dismiss him so fast. If you dismiss him too fast, you're going to be making a huge mistake. He's a very real threat to Trump. I want to remind you that Hillary Clinton, who was very unpopular, had almost 3 million more votes than Trump in 2016. And Biden may widen that gap. And by the way, Biden may win the swing states that Trump himself narrowly won uh, to give him the victory in the Electoral College. So don't write him off. The problem here, if you want me to just talk about Biden, instead of doing interesting stuff like archaeology and anthropology and ethno-archaeology uh, and the skeletons of the New Zealanders and the redheads and the pre-Polynesians and the peace-loving giants who wound up eaten and killed and red hair, fair-skinned people. I, I can do that, which I would much rather do. But if I, I'm to talk about Biden for one minute, uh, I will. Who's he going to choose as a running mate is the real issue. And, oh, I hear all the rumors. We hear Hillary, then we hear um, Oprah, God, <laughs> Oprah, M- Michelle Obama, we hear. Whoever he picks is going to be the real president. So he's, the, he's not the real candidate. He's the front man. In other words, the bumblingness and the forgetfulness is actually charming in this world right now. People, oh, you know, he's harmless. Maybe we need a harmless guy in the White House. This is his appeal. But he's going to be either out of the box within a year or two if he wins. And uh, then you're going to have the vice president, whoever he chooses. That's the real sleeper here. You know, he could pick Tulsi Gabbard. She's an open borders, but she's smart. She's a war hero, a war veteran, not a hero. 
I don't think he'll pick Hillary, by the way, at all. And I don't know who that is going to be. Last night, he confused his wife and sister. He called his wife his sister and his sister his wife. That's very nice. That's very nice to have the commander-in-chief not knowing who his wife is or his sister is. Terrific. Imagine him waging war against the country. and He, he could bomb France. Savage says that Biden could accidentally bomb France thinking it's our enemy. He could confuse France with Iran. He doesn't know where he is. So you, you want him carrying a nuclear football? Are you joking? So anything could happen. And, uh, you know, anything does happen. And we may have a perfect storm brewing, incidentally, <clears throat> you know. But his cognitive decline is very frightening. Then you got the sun. The Hunter stuff is going to come up, you know. If you care to comment on any of these topics because you're as miserable as I am about politics in America today, the phone number is 855-400-7282. At the bottom of this hour, I have a very special guest for you, a man maybe you never heard of, Rabbi Michael Barclay. Don't turn the show off because he is going to talk about how Bernie Sanders becoming president would damage American Judaism more than anything since the Holocaust. Those are the words of the rabbi, don't blame me. And you'll hear why he says that. And how a Sanders presidency is causing anti-Semitism and the damage he is doing to the Jews and how stupid liberal Jews are that they would vote for a communist over anybody because... Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That Sanders is not a Democrat, he's a communist. Do you understand that? You hear the word, oh, no, he's not a communist, he's a social, uh, social Democrat, socialist. All you got to do is read Karl Marx, who explains to you that socialism is uh, communism that is introduced through the ballot box. Communism is introduced through the, uh, through the barrel of a gun. And what is behind Bernie Sanders is absolute and utter horror. You understand that? But let's take some callers, Richard, in Connecticut, line one. Go ahead, you're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, I, think, I think they took the Bible out of the school first, then they've destroyed marriage. Um, and so slowly, the other couple of generations, with the borders open, we are going to be the minority, if we're not already. Well, yeah, let's go back to how the atheist, communist, socialists have done it. First, they said that anyone who was religious was a bigot and that we should have a separation of church and state, which, of course, the U.S. Constitution does not call for. It never said eliminate the church. It just said separate the church from the state. It didn't say eliminate the church in the state. That's number one. Then by confusing people about marriage and the sanctity and sacred nature of man and woman, uh, you know, I was talking earlier about the ancients and the Polynesians, right, who came over to New Zealand. Do you know that they all traveled by a reed canoe from South America, and they only traveled man and woman, man and woman, like a hundred to a canoe, and it was always man and woman. They never traveled alone because they understood the basics of biology and humanity. It was always man and woman. They knew that when they got to this new land they were looking for, because they had to leave uh, Peru because of the vicious nature of the Peruvians who were killing them and driving them out. The Incas were violent people, and they drove them out, and they wound up in these canoes, a hundred people. It was always man and woman, man and woman. How is it that we have forgotten that man and woman is the core of humanity? How have we forgotten that? Um, it's, it's a rhetorical conversation. I haven't. <clears throat> you haven't. And beauty here is the immigrants know that. How come the immigrants know it's man and woman? <clears throat> How come the first thing the immigrants do is have a child? How come they know to have a child in this country? They know it. You know, something about immigrants you got to know is the immigrant people, whoever they may be, no matter where they're from, are usually smarter and tougher than the people that they're leaving behind. The wealthy don't immigrate generally, unless they're being driven out at the, 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 you know, at the point of a bayonet. It's the poor people who, who emigrate. And amongst the poor who emigrate, they are the smartest and the toughest. Do you understand what they have to do to get here? You may hear about, okay, they went out through open water, the, the people I'm talking about, the Urukehu, who uh, wound up in New Zealand prior to the to the, uh, to the Maori, but take the average Guatemalan who gets here. Do you know what they have to go through or the El Salvadoran to get here? I've met them and I talked to these people. The Guatemalans were generally beaten by the Mexican police and robbed of everything they had. The women were raped. Do you know any of this? So by the time they get here, these are the toughest people that you could ever imagine. They didn't get here by chance and they didn't get here because they're weak. They got here because they're strong and smart. And I can tell you right now that for example, my grandfather, who I call the uh, astronaut of the family, 
And I have a picture of Sam in my book, Savage Life. I called him the astronaut of the family. Just an ordinary guy. He was smart enough to flee uh, what they call Belarus in those days, which is really a part of Ukraine, I believe. He fled because of the pogroms against Jewish people, because there were no chances to survive in the communism that was emerging. He got together all the money he could, and he fled to America, and he came here and he worked his heart out for eight years to bring over his wife and children, and then he died at 47. Poor Sam, I never met him. He worked very hard, and then he died. That's what immigrants did. He worked to build a better life for his children. And unfortunately, you know, it's a little stage. His son, my father, Ben, had a better life than him, a little attached house in Queens, but not a great life. He wasn't rich. We had one car, you know, one vacation, two weeks a year up there in the country, whatever. And I'm supposed to be man-child in the promised land, and I'm not complaining about my life. But no one gave me anything. I didn't inherit any money at all from my father. Actually, I did. I inherited $3,500, I think, in 1970 when he died. Can you believe it? So everything I have, I have built on my own. Everything I have. There's no white privilege here. White privilege is a trick used to diminish your survivability. It's to make you feel guilty about yourself. Never, ever succumb to guilt. Never, ever succumb to the racism being foisted upon you by Black Lives Matter or by occasional cortex and our band of racist uh, people. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. It is the Savage Nation. Look, perception becomes reality at a certain point. And Biden's apparent lapses of memory and lapses of not knowing where he is, wife, uh, sister, no is almost charming in a certain way because there are people who perceive, and I didn't say I'm one of them, but listen to me, I'm an analyst. There are people who perceive Donald Trump to be too glib, and then there are people saying, you know what, maybe we need a kind of doofusy guy in the White House for a while to give us a breather. Don't don't underestimate what I'm saying to you. I didn't say I see it that way, but I'm a, a man who sees what others see. I have a great stethoscope on America's heartbeat. And his kind of flubs and screwing up and not knowing where he is, confusing wife with sister, calling Super Tuesday, Super Thursday, uh, bumbling, the bumblingness. He's like Gerald Ford in a way, a little more, you know, demented, but like a tripping off an airplane. You could see him taking a, a tumble job down the, uh, the stairway. God forbid. I think they're going to need to have a guy hold on to him uh, in, from now on, like on the campaign trail. You saw the idiot, the, the vegan idiot jumped up with a sign, no dairy. I don't even know what she was talking about. And they're crazy, these people, these vegans. I'm, I'm on a largely vegan diet right now, but I'm not crazy from it yet. I do eat an occasional piece of fish and chicken. But these nuts, why didn't they snap her hand, break her wrist for doing that? Uh, you see, shows you there was no Secret Service. Thank God for Jill Biden's uh, martial arts skills. She blocked her. When I come back... If you think Biden is a threat, wait till you hear what a rabbi has to say about Bernie Sanders. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. We're going to talk now about from Trotsky to Bernie in just a little leap of faith here. And we're going to discuss this with Rabbi Michael Barclay, who made a controversial statement saying that Bernie becoming president would damage American Judaism more than anything since the Holocaust. Now, Rabbi Barclay is a very learned man. He's very knowledgeable in mysticism, meditation. He uh, won the 2010 B'nai Zion Distinguished Humanitarian Award, and he's terrified about Bernie Sanders, as am I. Rabbi Barclay, it's an honor to have you on the Savage Nation. It's nice to be here, and thank you so much, Michael. Well, look. I know the threat of the new Trotsky. I know that he hates his own Judaism. He denied he was basically Jewish until it became convenient for him. But in your words, why do you say a Sanders presidency would? It is already causing anti-Semitism, by the way, not would. It is already. How so, though? You need to understand that anti-Semitism is prevalent for the last 2,000 years. And after the Holocaust, it got subverted. It was subjugated. People didn't want to admit they were anti-Semites. It wasn't a 
politically correct thing to say after six million Jews were killed, but it was always there, and it goes back to 2,000 years ago. It goes back to the mistranslation of the Gospels. It goes back to mistranslation of the Vulgate in the 4th century, all sorts of things. In the 70s and 80s, it became okay not to be an anti-Semite, but to be anti-Israel. Right. And now it's okay to be an anti-Semite. And right. I remember in the 70s and 80s, people would say, I'm not anti-Jewish, I'm anti-Israel, I'm anti-Zionist. They would call it an apartheid nation, which is absurd. Um, it's a nation that cares to survive as a nation. I've been talking about that, by the way, which is invasion and conquest. And so it's either kill or be killed at a certain point. What kind of damage is Sanders doing right now, though? Never mind if he goes further. He's already doing damage, isn't he? He's doing huge damage. I mean, let's just take a look at his record. He's called Netanyahu, who was just again elected by the Israeli public. Uh, he's called him a racist. He's called APAC, which is not tied to any party. It's the Political Action Committee for American-Israeli Relations. He's called that a place for bigotry. He has tied himself to Omar and Tlaib and to all of these people who are very openly anti-Semitic. He has made, uh, when the vote came up for the anti-BDS bill, he voted against it. And he tried to couch it saying, oh, I'm not supportive of BDS, but you shouldn't curtail anyone's rights and it should be okay. I mean, just those actions. He doesn't mention Israel in his autobiography. Not one. But he did, didn't he spend a few months on a kibbutz in Israel? And of course, my, my take on that is that's because Israel was a socialist nation, which is why he was drawn to a kibbutz, uh, wouldn't you say? Even more so than, than drawn to, to Israel because it was a socialist nation. The kibbutz was the archetype of socialism. Yes, right. All for one and everyone shares. That's what he thought. But he didn't pull his oars in the kibbutz and they threw him out, according to what I'm reading. Is that correct? I don't know. I wasn't there. So I, I... <laughs> Okay, good. You're a nice guy. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> he discusses his time at the University of Chicago and how um, he became devoted not to the texts of Torah, Talmud, or any of the great Jewish philosophers, but rather to the social writings of Trotsky, Marx and Eugene V. Debs. How do Jewish people not understand who this man is? It's kind of like the chicken voting for Colonel Sanders. Uh, we are so many Jews have become secularized. They've disconnected themselves from synagogue life, from Jewish community life, and instead they've adopted a religion. But the religion isn't another spiritual religion. It's leftist politics, and they're blinded by it. In other words, when you go into a, le a liberal synagogue today. Uh, too much of it has become liberalism rather than Judaism. In our synagogue, I will not talk politics from the pulpit. I don't think we... Now, where, where are you? You're, I understand you are in Westlake Village, California? Correct. I came out here. I was on the west side of L.A. We started the first non-Orthodox synagogue in the nation with no membership dues, no cost for high holidays or bar mitzvahs, and no talk of politics from the pulpit. But are you, are you a... Uh, you're not a Chabad person, are you? No, no. Synagogue is uh, between reform and conservative. Between reform and conservative. So if someone went in there who doesn't speak Hebrew, they would still have to read the transliteration to keep up with the people, wouldn't they? Uh, to some extent. Often we do a lot of the prayers in English, or we will do some prayers in English and Hebrew simultaneously or antiphonically. Mm -hmm. No, I'm very familiar with all of it from every level, from liberal to reform to conservative to Chabad. And um, it's not an easy thing. As Lenny Bruce, the great comedian, said in the 60s, he said Judaism will eventually disappear because it's conducted in a foreign language, which was not so funny in a certain way. Well, you take an average person who goes into a synagogue today, and they don't even understand what the Jewish people are doing. Yeah, but Michael, that's the rabbi's fault. I'm sorry, and I, and I hate to take colleagues to test, but that's, that's our fault. It's our job to teach it. And it says in the Talmud, if you can pray, pray in the Shon HaKodesh in Hebrew, you should. But if you don't know Hebrew, you should pray in the vernacular. In English, right. Exactly. It's our job to make it accessible and meaningful to people in the 21st century. But, well, let's get back to Bernie Sanders. He does not belong to any temple, right? That's my understanding. And my understanding is he makes it a point of having secular speeches and secular locations on even Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But the worst thing is who he associates with, as you mentioned, Ilhan Omar occasional cortex. These people all hate Israel and hate Jews in their own way, don't they? They absolutely do, and it's one of the two worst things that he's doing. That's only one part of it. There's a whole other part, which is that the anti-Semitism is it's given permission. When Bernie Sanders does his stupidity, his stupid, crazy acts of socialism, it gives an opportunity for the anti-Semite to say, oh, look, see, 
It's the Jewish commie who's going to try and make this. <laughs> right. No, that's the truth. He is actually the stereotype in a mad magazine of a Jewish communist. Exactly. And that, and, and that trope of Judaism being tied to socialism, which is entirely not true, entirely a lie. This goes back all the way. Well, to- it's not entirely a lie. I mean, Marx was Jewish and he was a communist, right? I mean, come on. There is some, there is some validity to that concern, isn't there? No, there isn't. There really isn't. Because, yes, some of those guys had disconnected from Judaism. They were born Jewish, but that doesn't mean they lived in a Jewish way or had Jewish values. All right. I, I, that's fair enough. I get it. You know, look, in 1917, when the, the, the revolution starts happening, because there's anti-Semitism, we saw at that time that the, the leaders of Russia were saying, ah, it's the Jews who are making socialism happen. It was an excuse to blame and let their anti-Semitism come out. And that's, God forbid, happening now and going to continue to happen as long as Bernie Sanders has this kind of attitude. Well, not only that, but Bernie Sanders has a way of talking about white people in the most derogatory, racist manner I've ever heard, where he talks about white people as though all white men are his enemy and, and are all racist. You've heard that, I'm sure. I, I, look, I... I mean, I, when I hear it, I cringe. Because what he's doing is stirring up the worst fears of the white male against Jews. The man makes me cringe on so many levels. He is bringing out the anti-Semitic hatred. He is a self-hating Jew. Um, he is someone who is uh, blaming other people. Look, I don't care what religion or color you are. If you're a good guy, you're a good guy. If you're not, you're not. We don't need right. to put people in the categories of Jew, Christian, black, white, or anything else. But no, but every time he gets up, he talks about racism, sexism, homophobia. He calls Donald Trump a racist, which is the furthest thing from the truth. I know Donald Trump personally. I've been on Air Force One with him. I've dined with him at Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump, do I have to say it over and over again, has a daughter who married an Orthodox Jewish man named Jared Kushner, her children are Jewish. How could he be anti-Semitic? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it, it, beyond that, just look at his actions. He has been the single best president for Jews in Israel. In number one, number one, number one. He's the best friend Jews have ever had in the White House. And yet, so many idiotic liberal Jews in America say that Trump is an anti-Semite because of the racism of those who attack Trump. Yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It, look, look, Michael, he's in December of last year... Trump added anti-Semitism in Title VI, protecting all of our children against anti-Semitism. I know that, and they call him an anti-Semite. Look, this is great stuff, and it's it's fun es- esoterically, but um, you're right when you say Sanders becoming president would damage American Judaism more than anything since the Holocaust. That's a bold statement, and I believe it's true. You're a, are you a mystic? You say you're a you're a lecturer on cross-cultural mysticism and meditation. I'm very interested in that. Let's put Sanders aside for a minute. Can you tell us? what that's about? I, I've been very blessed to, to work with a lot of different indigenous tribes and be... Uh, where? 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 Places. Um, I, work, I spend time with the Yaki in Tucson. I've been doing that for 30 years with different indigenous people. You're kidding me. Wow. No, I spent a lot of time in the, in, the, in the South Pacific in really weird areas, so to speak. Well, look, a lot of the mystical traditions are very consonant with Jewish mysticism and meditative techniques. Um, I mean, I taught meditation to athletes and professionals and executives all over the world. Huh. And Judaism is a root tradition. It's much more similar to the spiritual beliefs of uh, tribal traditions than it is in some ways to some of the more mainstream other traditions. It's, you know, we are a uh, monistic people. We, we see God in everything. Oh, I do. I see it in the leaf. It's, it's guy the thing is to i know a man who now walks around he's not only become a vegan i'm not i'm not there but he feels bad sometimes for a tree that's being cut down and by the way i know that's a little far-fetched from this discussion but the hasidic rabbis talked about the wood in a cabin crying to him from the tree that they came from even if you want to get that sensitive to nature and and things of that nature you know you want to get into the mysticism it can carry you too far you can go too far with it, right? Well, in the Talmud says it says there are four new there are four New Years, one of which is the New Year of the Trees. The key is just to see life and to live righteously. I try and teach my kids live right and righteously. That's the essence of Judaism: to treat other people with respect, with caring, with love, to to worry about your own spiritual needs, but other people's physical needs. Hmm. 
and to and to be embracing in that way. If God, well, what's, we what's, all hurt, what, what's most worrisome to me is that ninety percent of the Jewish people are extreme leftists who would vote for a Bernie Sanders over anyone else. That's a fact, and it's frightening, isn't it? I think a large part of that is also due to rabbis, honestly. I do too. I have a friend who had a great quote. He said that the only orthodox or orthodoxy that is preached in any synagogue is in a liberal synagogue that uh, insists that you vote leftist. No ortho- You go to an orthodox synagogue, they don't care if you vote left or right. Well, I like Mayor Kahanus at any, every Jew at 22. I thought that made sense to me. And I also like the saying, which I think I created, which was, the Israelis created Israel with a Bible in one hand and an Uzi in the other. That, that's the kind of Judaism I like. Can I quote you on that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure, I love it. They created Israel with a Bible in one hand or a Torah in one hand and, a, and an Uzi in the other. I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? It does. And it's, it's we are, but again, based on righteousness. Based and there's no nation on earth that was created without bloodshed. Yeah. Not one nation on earth. Rabbi Barclay, you and I could speak for hours, and I hope the next time I'm in L.A. we have a chance to connect up. You sound like a man who travels a lot. And I would love to be when you're in L.A. Please let your office know and, and so that we can go have dinner. And, and do, you, do you happen to know, I know this is off the topic and I shouldn't do it on the air, but I'm that kind of guy. Do you happen to know that Rabbi Cunyan up in, in Incline Village? Uh, not in Incline Village. Um, one of my teachers for many years, if you remember, of blessed memory, Rabbi Schwartzy. Oh, yeah, he passed away, huh? He died three years ago. They just had me speak at the third anniversary of his... Of well, his- isn't that a small world? And it's the way of all flesh, unfortunately. Yeah. And I thank you, Rabbi Michael Barclay, for standing up for your people, our people, the American people, against this evil, evil, evil liar, Bernie Sanders. Thanks for Thank you so us. much, Michael, for all the good work you're doing. Well, uh, I do my best to try to enlighten people to what's really going on. Thanks for being with us. Well, you know, it's interesting that I speak with the rabbi at the end of this hour after talking about the skeletons of New Zealand, the redheads, the pre-Polynesians, uh, the peace-loving, white-skinned, fair-skinned, red-haired giants who were uh, <clears throat> killed by the Maoris. It's astounding when you think about that. One last note on that earlier thing, which I didn't get to, is the people who predated the, uh, the Maoris in New Zealand is that uh, they were called the children of heaven because of their fair skin. Wouldn't it be nice if the leftists called white people the children of heaven because of their fair skin instead of denigrating white people in this country? Wouldn't it be nice if once one of these evil communists said something nice about white people? I'll be right back. The Westwood One Podcast Network.